to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh hey, hey, if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing the light if the light goes on it's not enough it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines it shines no my light will not just go on hora basaka la mashida bahaya mambro do sagida haya no my light will not just go on it's not enough that you clear you have to be excellent your light no 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 it's, it's not enough that you feel before and he has put all things under his side under his side at amplex where is he put them somebody shout it under my feet Praise God. Um so it's good to have this opportunity to share with you the word of God once again. Um very excited about what the Lord is doing. There's so much that has been happening in our lives, there's so much that has been happening around. But the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away but his word will remain. Um seasons will come and seasons will go but the word of God will remain. And this is this is this is why we encourage people to not let them change their view of the word of God because of their circumstances. But let their view of the word of God change their circumstances. Why? Because the word of God um The Lord Jesus Christ uh, was 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 praying in John 17 and uh, I'm I'm not pretty sure the scripture but I think it should be John 17 where he said sanctify them by your truth your word is truth so um the word of God is not just a good moral guide it's got truth in it and the gist of truth is that it does not change it's constant things change people are born people die uh systems come systems go tomorrow you may have all the money you could ever have in the world and one project could sweep it away god forbid but if you let situations or factual things change your view of the word of god then you're in trouble but what you're supposed to know is despite what is coming in our way despite what is coming in your way despite what is coming in your nation's way your focus on the word of god should not change because it's that word which is in our spirit which is able to change the facts that are around us okay so i encourage you to stick to the word of god type i'm sticking to the word of god okay so today i'm going to share something with you just a once of a teaching but before we do that um make sure you share your the 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 broadcast invite someone we're going to have a great time and what i'm going to teach is very important it's one of those teachings that you need to understand from the word go otherwise you may struggle to grow in certain areas of your faith of your christianity if you don't understand the stuff i'm about to teach 
That's how important it is. So I'm just going to pray and then we'll continue. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for this amazing Sunday you've given us to gather together online and in spirit and drink of your word full of life. Lord, I pray that as we learn this, it will shift us into another dimension by the power of the Spirit of God that is present. Holy Spirit, I ask that you take charge of this word and make it a reality in our spirits and in the practicality of our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, like I said, this is one of those teachings that if you don't understand, a lot of people have failed to um, mature in their Christianity. They've gone that far, but because they've not understood certain things like what I'm about to share with you, they are lingering around the same area for a very long period of time. When Jesus Christ came, he began to say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he constantly was teaching the kingdom of God. That was one of his main sermons. Um, he taught about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of heaven, but the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is a system. And as long as it's a system, it's going to be governed by uh, instructions and rules and regulations and all these kinds of things. And the reason why a lot of people fail to move in the kingdom of God is for this reason that I'm going to show you. So today we are going to look at, um, at a subject I've named the cost of a missed instruction. We're going to look at a, a teaching I've titled the cost of a missed instruction. Wow. As, you, as, you, as, as, you, as you begin to read the word of God, and I'm going to show you something. There are five dimensions of the word of God. And when you read the book of Psalms, chapter number 19, I'm going to read from verse 7, it says, The law of God is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of God is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So, it's amazing. Uh, this is something that the Lord showed me in 2016, and I've not really had an opportunity to teach on it because of how wide it is. But the, the divine word of God can be divided into five parts. And every part has its revelation in what Psalm 19 is saying. The purpose of the law of God is to express the perfection of who God is. And it converts the soul. Okay, The testimony of God is also defined by how sure it is and how it makes wise the simple. Then the statutes of the Lord reveal his righteousness and they bring about the rejoicing of the heart. And then the commandment of God expresses his purity and it enlightens the person's eye. It's amazing when we get into these things in detail and when the, when, when the Lord allows you to get into them. Then the Bible also tells us of the judgments of God which are true and are righteous altogether. But today we are looking at a dimension called the law of God is perfect converting the soul that's number one the law of god is perfect converting the soul that's one dimension we are going to look at today so the law of god is perfect there's a reason why the law of god is sided with perfection and the and the conversion of the soul okay now the word law here is the word torah that means the first five books of the of the bible the old testament and one characteristic of the Old Testament, the Torah, is God giving commandments to his people. 
God giving commandments to the people who are in a, he was in a covenant with. And that's the thing, even though we are in a covenant with God, that covenant comes with duties and it comes with instructions that we have to fulfill. So in the first five books of the Bible, we begin to see, among other things that God did, he begins to give instructions. It's full of instructions. And interestingly, those instructions um, or commandments or the law, uh, in, the, in the context of what I'm saying, um, they come with consequences where they're not obeyed. For example, our favorite scripture in the Old Testament, one of my favorite chapters is Deuteronomy chapter number 28. And it talks about all the amazing things. Um, it says, if you obey my commandments and my laws, which I give you, it says you shall be blessed going in. You shall be the head and not the tail. You shall be above and not beneath. You shall be blessed going in and coming out. All the nations will be fearing you. you know, and all those amazing things. But it says, but if you do not obey these laws. So when you read it, instructions are, are, are two-sided. There is always a benefit to following them. But when you do not follow instructions given to you, there is always a consequence that's, that has to be followed. Both in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, we see this happening. So there's a dimension of the word of God called instructions. There's a way that the spirit of God communicates when he's communicating instructions. And when you understand that God is giving you an instruction and you understand the cost of a missed instruction, not an obeyed instruction for today. <laughs> the inspiration is to talk about the cost of a missed instruction. You'll be a more mature, obedient believer. Yeah. Sometimes, and, and I'm, I'm going to get into that, sometimes the reason why people struggle to obey instructions is because they do not understand the extent of the authority of the person that is giving them that instruction mm -hmm. and the consequences of disobeying that instruction. All right. I'm going to show you something as we go on. Type hallelujah. Say, I'm following. I am following. So what the Bible shows us, for example, is I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to show you why it's important to obey instructions. Like I said earlier on, the reason why a lot of people find it difficult to obey divine instructions or instructions that are written in the word of God is because they do not have an understanding of the person of God. So Maybe before I get into Romans chapter number one, let me also read some chapter 19, verse 7. Some, uh, some chapter number 19, verse 7 from the KJV is saying, the law of God is perfect, converting the soul. So when we're talking about the law of God, the, the synonym is also the instruction. Okay? The instruction of the Lord as is espoused in the, N, in the NLT. The New Living Translation actually puts it like that. It says the instructions of the Lord are perfect. So these are instructions or these are guidelines, whatever you may want to call them, that are coming from a perfect personality. You may think your mother is the most perfect person you've ever seen, but she's with flaws. You may think your husband or your wife or even your pastor, see? But then we are talking about God, the source of all righteousness and morality. No wonder those instructions are perfect. Mm -hmm. And the perfection of an instruction spells the consequences of either obeying it or disobeying it. What makes the instructions of God perfect is because of the state of the perfection of God himself, who is the source of those instructions. They, the instructions from God cannot be wrong. 
because of the nature of God himself, he is righteous. Let me show you something. Romans number 1, verse 16 and 17. The Bible says, I am not ashamed, NKJV, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Then it says for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Now look at this. For in it, the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And the more we have a revelation of the righteousness of God, we increase our faith from one level to the other. That's what he's saying. That means we are at different levels of our understanding of the righteousness of God. In fact, we are even at different levels of understanding of our personal righteousness. If the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, is a new creation, the old things are passed away, behold, all things are new. And then he goes on to say in 21, that's 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, that he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that through him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you know that it has taken me progressively a long period of time to come to an awareness of what it means to be righteous in Christ Jesus and what my righteousness really is and the privileges and benefits it comes with and the position it puts me in, in this world, the world to come and in the realm of the spirit. But the more I dig into the word of God, the more I become increasingly and increasingly aware of what my righteousness is like. So we keep increasing in understanding these things. And the Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for in it, that means the gospel, a.k.a. the word of God, in the word of God is revealed the righteousness of God from one level of faith to the other. So the righteousness of God is only understood the more we dig deeper into the word of God. That means our understanding of the righteousness of God is a reflection of the amount of the gospel we have swallowed. That also means there are different degrees of our dimensions of the understanding of the word of God, our personal understanding of the word of, of, of the righteousness of God rather. So when we say God is righteous, what do we mean? It depends on what you know about him in the word of God. Because it is told, for in it, that is the word of God, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Type hallelujah. hallelujah. So when we say God is righteous, what do we really mean? It's a huge topic. And according to Revelation, we keep increasing. And the more we understand how righteous God is, from the word of God, the more our faith enlarges. And you cannot be a man of faith. That means you cannot be a man who understands the extent and the meaning of the righteousness of God and be disobedient to instruction. You can't. Because you know exactly where the instruction is coming from, what it means for you, and the consequences of missing it. Okay. I'll give you an example as we go on. Let's have an understanding of the righteousness of God. For example, when we read the book of Romans, number, uh, Hebrews number 6, verse 13, and I'm going to read from the NLT. And you see, as we begin looking at, as we begin looking at the righteousness of God and what it really means, our faith increases because the Bible says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And that revelation of the righteousness of God brings us from one dimension of faith to the other. See that? So I'm about to show you 
just one part I'm going to show you the righteousness of God and as I show you that righteousness of God your faith is enlarging and the more your faith enlarges the more your obedience enlarges that means it will be difficult for you to disobey God because the, 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 the revelation of his righteousness is solidifying it is crystallizing in your spirit Amen. hallelujah so for example the Bible says in the book of Hebrews of number 6 verse 13 Okay, and it begins with this. Hebrews 6, verse 16 to 19. But I'm going to begin from verse 13 just so that we get context. So it says, for example, NLT, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's move on. Verse, verse, verse 16. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to eat. It's like when people say Akalumba. <laughs> they are saying the Akalumba is greater than me <laughs> and it can judge me if I fail to do this. Now, God does not have the Akalumba Kaleza. God doesn't have the Kaleza because he's greater than it. He created it. So he has to swear by himself. You see that? And the Lord Jesus Christ said we should not swear. Okay? So, he's saying when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, the oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. That's the purpose of an oath. If I'm taking an oath, it means it's like taking a vow also. It means I'm saying I will have to make this thing come to pass. I remember the first time we were buying instruments. I noticed we had clapped a long time at church. And I was like, no, we need to buy instruments. This is too much. So I took a vow. <laughs> and I said, I will not eat until we raise this amount of money and buy instruments. It was quiet in church. I also took some of my sons. Yeah, you want to take a vow with me? They all came and, and did the same. I'm not encouraging ministers to be doing that. But I was just tired. And I was willing to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to a certain extent. So I decided I will not eat. And for a long period of time, we did not eat. Okay, we were fasting. I'm not saying we ate nothing. We were fasting and breaking normally, but we fasted. And we ate nothing. We were fasting and praying until we had um, the instruments that we wanted, until we raised the money. See? Sometimes the gospel can only be preached when we are radical. If we are weak, the enemy out there is not weak in the way that he is attacking. You'll be amazed at what some of these kids are doing in this, some of the high schools. High schools, you know. And I'm not saying there's nothing, there's anything wrong with it. There could be. But one of my grade eight, grade eight members of the church sent me a text on Messenger. I now have a phone and it's on WhatsApp. That was a big deal in the day. You had to hide your phone. You can just imagine these are smartphones. So the, the reach of the things you can be exposed to are immeasurable. 
See that? So the devil is not playing. So, and some things I've heard some of these kids do because of what they're exposed to. So if we are calm in the way that we approach them, some people have to fast for these high school kids to get saved because they will be difficult to convince. They are not as not so smart as we were in the day. They know too much things, these kids. So we, when we are preaching the gospel to them, I encourage you, we must be radical. We must not just take them as little benign things. Okay? Okay, so that's what an oath is. Okay? Okay, so he says, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. Wow. Those two things are unchangeable. Why? Because it is impossible for God to lie. Do you understand what that means? There are different dimensions of lies. <laughs> there are deep dark lies. Then there are white lies. They are all lies, by the way, and all of them go to hell. <laughs> as long as it's a lie, it's a lie. You call it, it's like people who say white witches. What? You can say angelic Satan all you like. It doesn't stop him from being Satan. Even the Bible says he transforms himself into an angel of light, deceiving even the very elect. So there are different dimensions of lies. There are also things that people do without meaning it, like an error. Even in the way we preach the gospel, sometimes as people are developing themselves in preach, as, uh, as people are developing themselves in preaching the gospel, you can find that there are some who become apostatic. Those are people who reject Jesus and teach strange things, but they knew him. Then there are people who teach heresy. Just wrong things that are not in the Bible. Those could be better because they could be doing it out of ignorance. The apostatic are the worst ones. Those who teach heresy could be because they just don't know the truth. And we've seen a lot of them repent. But those who reject Jesus are the apostatic ones. Those are the ones who, they are gone. But then there are also people who err. That means they may say things, but it's just a mistake. The guy is a good guy. But he says things, and they're just a mistake. Then there are also those who make a sentence sound wrong because they don't know how to use English. That's still error. It's, 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 it's a lie in itself. See? But then the Bible says, it is impossible for God to lie. So, when you are in your thoughts and you are thinking about the extent of the righteousness of God, what does it mean that God is righteous? One of the things that should come to your mind is this scripture. It is impossible. The Bible does not say it's rare for God to lie. It doesn't say 99% accurate God. No, it says it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. The hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain of God's inner sanctuary. Type hallelujah. So it's impossible for God to lie. That's no wonder 
because we are being told about we are being uh, told about Abraham. God swore by himself because there's no one greater than him. So now the reason why we can believe God's oath, there are many people who've taken oaths and they failed. We stand in front as we, are, as we are giving our oath of office before we are admitted to the bar and we say a lot of things, but people still lie and they still don't defend the constitution in law. But if even people can make oaths and still fail, why? See? But then the Bible says the reason why, number one, God takes an oath and makes a promise. That means by virtue of it being an oath, and their promise we expect him to fulfill but then we are taught the reason why we can believe in his oath and his promise is because it is impossible for him to lie that means there's there's no ability in him to lie james james chapter, james chapter number one verse says in him there's no shadow of turning at all he says every good and perfect gift that also means from god we can only expect good and perfect gifts are you understanding the, the righteousness of god that means when you understand the righteousness of God, you move from faith to faith. You cannot be disobedient. You cannot say, maybe God has given me this bad headache to teach me a lesson. Your faith is weak because you thought like that. Because you do not understand the righteousness of God and therefore your faith is low. But the more you understand the righteousness of God, it's just impossible for him to lie. So he gives Abraham a promise. And Abraham finds it easy to believe because he has a revelation of the righteousness of God. And what is the revelation? That it is impossible for God to lie. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's impossible for God to lie. And, and, and that's what I think when I'm looking at the word of God. Whatever it is, it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God. That's the foundation of our faith. It's impossible to, for God to lie. I want you to type, it's impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. I don't know what you saw in the scripture that built you, but it's impossible for God to lie. I don't know what you saw that built you in the scriptures and you thought you could apply it to your life, but your experiences are, are making you afraid. No, my brother, my sister, it is impossible for God to lie. Type hallelujah. It is impossible. It is impossible. Oh boy, it is impossible. No wonder the Bible says in Romans chapter number four, Abraham being fully persuaded, not partially, mm -hmm. that he who promised is able also to fulfill, did not stagger at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Even after 25 years, the command was strong in faith, giving glory to God. No wonder. Some people said, oh, he got it in the old age. You know, I don't know how long it may have taken you to have something and your friends at a younger age are having what you do not have. Do you still believe God can give it to you? Do you know how much longer Abraham lived after he had his child? He died, the man died at 175 years old. After he had his child about 100 years old, God gave him 75 more, meaning as at the time, his son was even becoming an older man. So he enjoyed the, the gift of God. God is not unjust. Even if you got something late, I don't know what you may have gotten late, God will compensate. He's a restitutionary God. You will enjoy whatever God brings it to you. And you see, the Bible says, Behold, I do a new thing, and you shall forget the former things. Mm -hmm. So it's the, the capacity and the power of the new thing that God does. It makes you forget old things. That's so why don't wallow in something for a long time. Hold on to the word of God. When God does a new thing, he will make you for, it will make you forget about the other things. Except those people. There's those people who are... I heard of a certain person who 
after a certain minister prayed for, for them to get a breakthrough, they rejoiced after a few minutes. Then suddenly they started saying, why is it that I always have to go through hard things for me to get a breakthrough? Hey, are you out of your Bible? <laughs> Just enjoy. Let God do a new work in your life. Type hallelujah. Do not be critical. Bakili. Yeah, there are people whose names are Achilles, but from critical, not Christina or Christopher <laughs> or Christine. <laughs> okay, so do you understand how righteous God is? So you can imagine the instruction. Oh boy, is coming from such a person who is unable to lie, and a man of authority or a being of authority more accurately. There are consequences. That means, let me also tell you the next dimension it means. That means, remember, everything that God says is righteous because it's impossible for him to lie. If God walked on this earth and you're like, oh, God, here you are. I'll expose you. I'll tell everyone God is with me. Then God said, you can't do that. I just came to check around what's happening. Then he said, ask for anything. Then you're like, confused, like you don't know what to ask for. Then you just want to interview God, then you ask him, what is this? And God is like, I don't know these things. No, God, tell me what it is. And God said, a puppet. It has to change into a puppet because God can't lie. Amen. Amen. Why? Because it's the source of truth. <laughs> That's why there are some ridiculous things in the eyes of man that God does. But because God said it's a solution, it has to work because he can't lie. I think of it. Is it doesn't Second Corinthians one twenty seven says he uses the weak things of the world to confound the strong, and the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And then it says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of God, meaning God is still at his greatest as compared to you when it does it when he's at his worst. That's what it, that's what it basically means. He can't lie. Can you imagine? There was water that was salty. Then God inspires the prophet to take salt and put in the in the water, and it becomes sweet water. How? Does it make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. But because God is righteous, anything He does will become a solution. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, anything that God does will become a solution. When God is on your side, that's why I tell people, when God was, because God, because God was on his side, even if, even if David was going to stone Goliath at his toe, he was going to still fall down and faint. It was not about the stone. It was about the God of the stone. I'm telling you, I'm telling you why, because it's impossible for God to lie. Hallelujah. Imagine four lepers, sick people. They have leprosy. That means as they were going, but as they were going towards an enemy camp who was very geared forward, trained forward. These are carnal people. So they don't forget war because maybe they went to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. They are always thinking about fighting. So they heard a sound of a great army coming. Four lepers. How? Any method that God uses, because it's God, it can't lie. It can't be a lie. 
This is why you have to understand the divine methods and instructions that God has given us to walk with. They may not make sense to the world. They may not. But it's through those that we are preserved and sustained. It's through those that we increase from one level to the other in life. So the things that God has told us to do, we must stick to them as instructions. And it seems every time God gives a command for us to do something and we disobey, there's a price to pay. There's always a price to pay. Look at Exodus chapter number 17. When you read Exodus chapter number 17, Exodus chapter number 17, the Bible discusses, and I'm going to, I'm going to now show, I'm now going to show you what happened to people who did not obey divine instruction. When God instructs you to do something, there's a cost. So for example, Exodus chapter number 17, very interesting story. Exodus chapter number 17. Okay. I'm beginning to read from verse 1. It says, And the Lord's, at the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin and moved from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Brephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses, Give us water to drink. From now on, I don't think I will, I will be excited when someone shouts, give us, because I'll be thinking of this. <laughs> give us. <laughs> I'll give them an eye. Those who are shouting, give us. <laughs> so once more, the people complained against Moses, give us <laughs> water to drink. They demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst. They continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us? Our children and our livestock with thirst. Everyone was thirsty. Even Moses was thirsty. But they were saying Moses was trying to kill them. And that's what you suffer as a leader sometimes. Everyone may be going through this whole COVID thing. But you and your God. So you and your God have to be strong. Otherwise you crack as a man of God or as a minister. Okay, Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Walk out in front of the people. Why didn't they just ask God what to do? It was clear they didn't have... It was clear they didn't have water. Why not just entreat the Lord we need water? He was always working miracles among them. Do you, did you really have to complain? Do you remember what happened in First Samuel 30 at, at the battle of Ziklag? They cried... And cried David and his men. They cried until the Bible says there was no more strength left in them. Meaning they just started looking at each other like this. Have you ever laughed so hard you are afraid if you laugh it's going to hurt? Now imagine you've cried so hard that you're afraid. <laughs> that they had no more strength left in them. But then the Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. Then he went to ask the Lord. Should we go ahead? Then God said, go, you attack them and you. Question, why didn't they just do that in the first time? The Bible says, he who is troubled, let him pray. James chapter number five. That's what it says. If you're troubled, pray. It doesn't say cry, complain. Pray. Don't throw away an important key when you need it the most. 
That's what you do if you're in trouble. Pray. I want you to type, I'm praying, I'm praying. Yeah, the country is in a state we need to pray, not complain with everyone else, shoot at everyone else. Our weapons are not, are not cannot, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and powers. The Bible says we do not a war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wicked spirits. Those are our real enemies. Pray. So they just did the wrong thing. Okay. And then God begins to give him, give him instructions in verse 5. Walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used when you, when you, when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, see? And water gushed out as the elders looked on. So God tells him, Moses, this is, and see, he's striking a rock. Imagine you are thirsty, then you strike this wall, and then water comes out. Cannot sing the word as well. <laughs> or God tells you, strike this pulpit, and you hit it, and water gushes. Does that make sense? That's why I'm telling, I'm telling you the quality or the sensefulness, the sense of the, of the instructions that come from God have to be obeyed, not because they make sense to you, but because of where they are coming from. So just do not question instructions. And when we are working with God, that's what we do. See that? Can you imagine? Can you imagine a full-blown prophet goes to the widow at Zarephath when there was a, a famine, a, a, a widow. <clears throat> and God said, he's talking to Elijah and he says, I have instructed the widow. I have instructed God in his Godfulness. He knows Everyone is hungry. God knows for crying out loud. He's omniscient. So that means he knows. And then of all the rich people, he goes to a widow and he commands her to feed a prophet. And when the widow is asking, but Lord, God even keeps quiet. Does that make sense? And <laughs> prophet Wampambana Waisa. But see, it's not about how much sense the instruction makes. It's about where it is coming from. It is coming from who? If it's coming from God, just do it. I want you to type, just do it. Just do it. If you are with your neighbor in your house, tell them, just do it. Just do it. That's how we work with God. So look at this. man. I don't know how you read the Bible, but do you think about it? Do you think about it? The man has a stick like this. There's a rock here. Then he hits it and water gushes out. I'm sure when he said, I'm going to hit this rock and water is going to come out. Someone went. <laughs> but when the water came out, they were even, that's how people are. They were the first to drink. Oh, God, you bless. They were the first ones to drink. That's how people are. When you're following God, they say you're not making sense. When they're in pain, okay. I want you to look at another scripture now. So there was a good uh, 
result in obeying divine instruction. Are you seeing what I told you at first? But now, another time, it happened again. In Numbers chapter number 20, verse 2, the Bible says there was no water for the people to drink at that place. So they rebelled against Moses and God, and Moses and Aaron. These people had a problem with rebellion. That's why God calls them a stiff-necked people. One book ago, God was from providing water for you. Why don't you just ask again? And that's the problem. There's a sin of forgetfulness. Look. And sometimes the temptation is in the difference of every situation you are facing. Didn't you know that the same God who helped you pass grade 7 will help you clear your final exams at tertiary level? But you forget. How do you think how you made it sometime then was a coincidence? Now we can be a number. The same God is the one who's, but they forget. They forgot. Look at that. There was no water. This, and the same situation, there was no water for the people to drink at that place. So they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, if only we died in the Lord's presence with our brothers. Those people who, <laughs> these people can pretend, they were consumed, some were consumed by fire. And for some, the ground opened and swallowed them. You wanted to die with them. <laughs> That's how, there's that strange song at Insala, <laughs> people say things and, they, and the problem is they think it won't go anywhere anyways the people blamed Moses and said if we only died in the Lord's presence with our brothers why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with our livestock why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place this land has nothing to eat, no figs, no grapes, no what, no water to drink. Ah, these people could ponder. <laughs> Yet they are the ones who kept, who, who knew and they kept singing the fact that God brought them from Egypt. Mm -hmm. But they never knew. That's why if you don't know where God took you from, you will blame your pastor for where you are. You will blame someone. You have to know where God is taking you so that you always have God in your focus. Not today, we are praising God. Tomorrow, uh, we are thinking about it. So, Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, See, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the, from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the stuff. Same scenario, but there's a difference. In the last instruction, he told him to hit it. In this instruction, he tells him, speak to the rock. Are you seeing that? You may say, ah, but it's the same thing. No. The instruction is very specific. There is a reason why God in his holiness, in his righteousness, demanded that you are just going to speak to the rock this time. You are going to speak to the rock this time and not hit it. And when you go on to read the book of Hebrews, the Bible reveals that that rock was Christ. That means in the Old Testament, God was thinking about Christ when Moses was about to release to hit to hit the rock so that water can come out. And that 
is when Christ was Christ was Christ was what was stricken. He was speared and water gushed out. It was symbolic of that rock. Now, he was supposed to be spoken to. And then you don't hit Christ the second time. That means you did not crucify him twice. So there was a mistake. And you may not understand all this technicality going on in God's mind. But God does not do anything for no reason. You may not have a reason why God is doing what he's doing. There are some things that God told me and I was thinking, I know. Why is God telling me this? <laughs> but two years later, when I was in a situation, that's when I realized, oh my goodness. I'm so glad God told me that. Even though it felt like it had no reason and I just did it. I will not go, get into details. I want you to type, I'm obedient. I'm obedient. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Then he now decided, I think now it's my turn. Let me ponder. Listen to this. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Like you are the one bringing it instead. Come, it's God who told you. Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff. What did God tell him? Speak to the rock. What did he do? He struck the rock. Not strike Taiwanese. <laughs> he struck the rock twice. And guess what? It worked. Water came out. God has got a way of making his servants look like everything is going well despite them doing the wrong thing. That's why, you see, the thing with, with the servant of God, God is going to judge us. <laughs> God will deal with us. For you, that position is too high. The Bible says, men will give an account of every idle word that comes out of their mouth. So you may think it has come out of your Facebook status, you've pointed against the men of God, telling them how to run their churches, what they're supposed to do. And it will look two days later, it will look like nothing happened. But guess what? One time I stood before God, and the status I wrote, and how I responded to someone, months ago came up. I'd even forgotten about it. I'd even forgotten about it. So be careful. Listen to verse 20. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, you see that? He took them by the side. God knows how he's going to deal with his servants. They came for the man of God. Is not in your hands, dear sir. Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness. That means obedience to, di to divine instruction is a demonstration of the holiness of God. You can write that down. Every time you obey divine instruction, you are a demonstrator of the holiness of God. Because you are representing God in his excellence and in the detail of his instruction, in the accurateness of his word, and in the express desire of his mouth. He says, do this. You are demonstrating the holiness of God because you do not crucify Christ twice. He may have not told you the reason why he wants you to just speak to the rock, yet you hit it twice. For example, when the Bible says, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall unite with his wife and the two shall become one in the Old Testament. It may just look like a normal cultural practice, but it's, it's, it's wrong. And may I say, it's a contravention of God's instruction and holiness for a person to be in his mother's house and start marrying there and having their husband there. Now, I'm not saying things don't happen. 
Things happen, people go back. But what I'm saying is, you even make it at, no, me, I will not be staying on my own. You get someone pregnant, just out. No, the Bible says a man shall live. Why? Because in the mind of God, back in Genesis, he was thinking of how Jesus Christ had to leave his heavenly throne. So that he could come and unite with his bride, the church. So God may have a bigger picture you don't even know of. So when God says, do this, he has a bigger picture in front. So when God says, strike, speak to the rock, you strike it twice. You, are, you don't even know when Jesus Christ will be born, yet you've offended him. That's what the Bible says. You have dis- demonstrated the holiness of God. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. That's how Moses' assignment came to an end. You can imagine. There is a cost to him. It was not in God's divine plan for Moses not to reach them to the final destination. No. God even told him, you are going to reach them there. I've called you to take them to the promised land. That was God. Just because it is in God's divine plan that you should reach at a certain place does not mean you are necessarily automatically going to, to reach it. There are instructions that God gives along the way and we must obey them. There is no reaching God's full potential without obeying what he's telling you to do. There is no. Jesus Christ said, if you love me, you obey my word. Let me tell you another story. There's a story of a man named Joshua who took over from Moses. Okay? And there was a small country that was supposed to defeat called Ai. Or I. Because the spelling is Ai. It was small like that. So they were just supposed to do it easily because they had won some victories, you know. But before that, remember the story of Jericho? God told them, do not take anything. Jericho was so big and huge. What God told them, when you enter Jericho, kill everyone, kill men, kill beasts, kill children. Don't ask me why God did it. Just believe his instructions. And God is not going to tell you to kill anyone today. He told them, just do it. Do it. Kill everyone. Why? Because all every death was expressed in Christ Jesus. So do it. Do it. Oh, that's how they went. Now there's this guy called Achan or Achan. Him, when he went, he saw some nice things. And he said, surely God won't be angry at me if I just get this Kawan thing. It's just one. He took. Okay. So they violated the instruction. You're following? So in verse 7, in chapter 7 of Joshua, chapter number 1, this is where we are now. I was giving you a background. The Bible says, but Israel violated the instructions. Remember that? But Israel, NLT, violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan has stolen, had stolen some of these dedicated things. So the Lord was angry with the Israelites. You can imagine one man did one wrong thing. God was angry with the whole village. This is why sometimes you as a single person, you must be very careful. What you do will have a bearing on the performance of the entire group. Haven't you heard there's a time when you read the first part of the book of Revelation where God begins to judge churches. It was not judging one person. One person may be excellent. 
But if the other person is doing funny things, God judges the whole bunch. That's why we must, we must not be so happy. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Listen, this is important. We must not just be happy because if we are doing fine, we've not been disobedient, we've not been doing this, but those people here, we'll see where they're going. Don't you know that when one part of the body suffers, the whole lot of the body is uncomfortable? You can't tell me no just because it's your pinky. When, <laughs> when you take a needle and we chunga it, when we break your pinky, you just like, I'm cool, I'm cool. It's just the pink. Even the mouth, as great as it is, starts shouting, oh, hey. The eyes, as powerful as they are, they start tearing. And the whole body sits down. You won't just go. So, the righteousness of one person and the well being of one person is important. Let's pray for one another and watch each other's backs. The, notice the Bible says Israel violated the instructions. Israel. Yet the Bible says a man did what God said they should not do. Okay? So, the Bible goes on to say, so after, after, they had, after one man had disobeyed in, 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 in Jericho, they decided, ah, the next one, we are going to deal with it. Listen to this. After they went and spied it, verse 3, the Bible says, when they returned, they told Joshua, ah, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack I, since there are just a few of them. Don't make all our people struggle to go up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent. But they were, this version says, they were soundly defeated. <laughs> You've ever heard of sound doctrine, meaning it's got no fault. But this is sound defeat. I don't know if there's such a thing. <laughs> in other words, they were flawless, flawless victories, what they got from here. They were beaten. They didn't even fight back by a small group of people. The Bible says the men of AI, oh, let me just quote AI. The men of AI chased the Israelites from the town gates as far as the quarries, and they killed 36, about 36, who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at the turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua went to cry, Oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you were going to let the Amorites kill us? Where did, even, where did Joshua learn this kind of language of crying, of blaming God? It started a while back. And, and sometimes you don't know because of the people you've mingled with. I know you are a leader, but is this how you pray to God? And I'm, <laughs> I want you to observe the content of his prayer. Some things God ignored because he had caught the person, but also very Lord. Why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you were going to let the Amorites kill us? In other words, why did you bring us here just so that we can be killed? If God is not at fault. Oh God, why did you give and take away? Is that really correct? You see, what's written in the Bible, everything in the Bible is written for our learning, but not everything in the Bible is written by, is written for our practice. Because there are some words which are also spoken by the devil. So when you are reading the word of God, you must know what it means to rightly divine the word of truth. There are some things you should, you should listen to, not so that you can grab them, 
but so that you can learn what not to do. Oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you were going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. It's a prayer of fear. He's afraid. The leader is afraid. And then what will happen to the owner of your great name? In other words, even you, you are finished, oh Lord. <laughs> your name will be dishonored. That's basically what he's saying. You may not be comfortable, but I'm telling you the truth. But God is so kind. He begins giving him the revelation. You, you don't know that in the Bible there are men who talk to God so rudely. But God responded so kindly. The fact that God was kind when he responded to these men does not mean they spoke to him rightly. It's because God overlooks his kind. The Bible says the dead times of ignorance, God overlooks, but now commands them, all men everywhere to repent. Do you know, Cain, when God asked him, where is your brother? He said, am I my brother's keeper? You know how rude that is? That word keeper is the word shama. In other words, he was saying, who's Jehovah shama between you and I? Who should know where the other one is, Lord? Ah, Ntibize. But God said, I heard his blood was crying. Now, see, you are in trouble. And when the man said, oh, Lord, please, everyone will be killing me. God still said, okay, I'll put a mark on you. Don't worry, not everyone will kill you. So when I tell you God is kind, I know what I'm talking about. Do you know? Job was so angry at God. He was angry. That's what the Bible said. He knew God would forgive. God was so angry. I mean, Jonah was so angry at God's goodness. And that's the gist of God's goodness. God is so good, it can become offensive. The same guy you thought is so wildly. There's people who are worldly. No, there are those who are from the wild. <laughs> God will raise them. And they become mighty men of God. You're expecting them to perish. That's how good God is. Everywhere God sees his repentance, fast, fast. He was so angry, God decided to frustrate him and sent a worm to eat a whole tree that he was sitting in. And then God asked him, and, and you can, the way God was asking Jonah, can you imagine? He was, Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? These people have repented. What do you expect me to do? Ah, God. Ah, take me back. So you should know that the fact that God answered nicely does not mean the content of the prayer was as you are expected to pray. Don't start praying like this in this age. It's wrong. So God now begins to talk to him about Achan and how he had disobeyed and how he took some things. And then they called an assembly and they caught Achan out. And guess what? They stoned him to death and burnt him and his family. And God was never angry again. But 36 men's lives were lost because one man decided to disobey. There is a cost for miss, miss, missing divine instruction. I'm going to show you one last example, then we are going to close. Ah, type, I'm learning something. Okay, it's important. 
one more then we're gonna close so in first kings chapter number chapter number 13 the bible says at the lord's command so god decides to send this mighty man of god to go out there okay mighty man of god to go and preach the word of god and he gives him very specific instructions at the Lord's command, a man of God, man of God. The Bible doesn't always use the word man of God. A man of God from Judah went to Bethel, arriving there as Jeroboam was approaching the altar to burn incense. Then at the Lord's command, he shouted, Oh, altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A child named Josiah will be born into the dynasty of David. On you, he will sacrifice the priests from the pagan shrines who come here to burn incense, and human bones will be burned on you. That same day, the man of God gave a sign to prove his message. He said, the Lord has promised to give this sign. This altar will split apart, and its ashes will be poured on the ground. When King Jeroboam heard the man of God speaking against the altar at Bethel, he pointed at him and shouted, seize that man! But instantly, the king's hand became paralyzed in that position. And he couldn't pull back. That means when he was telling the people, see that man, we? He just looked funny, the hand fell like this. See that man. Can <laughs> you imagine how funny it looked? Because the Bible says it became paralyzed. <laughs> Don't touch my anointed. That tells us that this man of God was anointed. He was really sent of God. At the same time, a wide crack, remember to fulfill the word of the prophet, appeared in the altar and the ashes poured out just as the man of God had predicted in his message from the Lord. Powerful man of God. The king cried out to the man of God, please ask the Lord your God to restore my hand again. So the man of God prayed. And the king's hand was restored and he could move it again. Wow. You can imagine what was on CNN. You can imagine what was on Fox News, what was on Webantu, what was on TV, uh, TV2. The news was everywhere. Powerful man of God comes. Not these fake men of God. I don't know how they know, but they know fake men of God. <laughs> Not these fake men of God. What, what? And there's evidence. Blah, 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 blah. See that? The king said to the man of God, come to the palace with me and have something to eat and I'll give you a gift now. This is where it gets interesting. I want you to follow this. But the man of God said to the king, even if you gave me half of everything you own, I would not go with you. I will not eat and drink anything. Why? For the Lord gave me this instruction. It's the word command here. You must not eat or drink anything while you are there and do not return to Judah by the same way you came. Very simple instruction, very clear. So the king said, okay, thank you so much. See that? And he left and nothing. He was a successful man. Even in ministry, we are given, given instructions. There are some people in ministry who fast more than others. The Bible says John the Baptist used to fast and eat wild honey and locusts. You may not like that instruction, but that was the success of John the Baptist. Ministry. It was his instruction. Fast. <laughs> Eat locusts and wild honey. That's how his ministry worked for him. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, why are your disciples always eating? They wondered. 
Jesus' disciples were always eating. They were so hungry one time, they were picking ears of corn. That's what the Bible says. They were always eating. In one scripture, they even went to look for food and they started begging him to eat. In another scripture, Jesus Christ just looked at them and said, multiply food, he multiplied food. They were always eating. Even he himself, Jesus Christ, said, me, I came eating and drinking. You said, I'm a glutton. John the Baptist came fasting and dressing funny. You said, he's possessed. He distinguished himself, yet both ministries were very successful. Why? What is your path? Elijah, Elijah had power to lift his hands and bend men of God under the anointing of the same Holy Spirit who was on Jesus. But the instruction on Jesus was not to kill everyone. His, Jesus, even his name was Jesus, meaning Savior. So even if you beat him, you do what, he will still save you. But Elijah, his name is El, El Ejah, means God is Jehovah. That means prove that God is Jehovah at all costs. So personal instruction is key. This man of God was given very personal instructions. Don't eat and don't go the same way through which you came. And he was, as long as he was taken to that, he was successful. Type hallelujah. Hallelujah. As it happened, verse 11, there was an old prophet living in Bethel, and his sons came home and told him that the man of God had, what the, what the man of God had done in Bethel that day. They also told their father what the man had said to the king. He was their spiritual father, but what we know is that he was an old prophet. The old prophet asked them, which way did he go? So they showed their father which road the man of God had taken. Quick, saddle the donkey, the old man said. So they saddled the donkey for him and he mounted him. Then he rode after the man of God and found him sitting under a great tree. The old prophet asked him, Are you the man of God who I was watching on news? <laughs> yes, I am the man of God, replied. Then he said to the man of God, ah, Come with me and eat some food. Eh? I would like to host you. No, I cannot, he replied. I'm not allowed to drink anything here in this place. For the Lord gave me this command. You know, there's some people you shouldn't even tell what God told you. Just say, I don't want, why I'm not interested. Especially you people who are on bands. You're on a band, a guy approaches you, I'm interested in you. No, I can't date you. Why? Pastor put me on a band. Ah. So I become the villain. You would have been with the love of your life, except the villain, pastor, is standing in between the two of you. So the bad person is pastor. And the person keeps pushing until you fall into the temptation. Why? Because in his own understanding and estimation, you want. It's just that the pastor is a bad man. When, you are a when we are on a band, do not use us as bait. Do not use us as your shield, rather. Just say, no, I'm not interested. Who will push you further when you look at them and you say you're not interested? Mm -hmm. When people come and they tell you, let's go and do things you used to do before you got saved. Do not tell them, I'm DBZ. Or today I'm not just in the mood. They'll say, ah, okay, okay, we'll, we'll, pull you. we'll pull you next time to the joint next time. Tell them, I'm born again and it's against the Bible. It will not only creep, freak them out, they will not bother you again. They will laugh one or two times, but they will leave you alone. Truth. Don't put the Lord out there. This man would have just said, no, sir, I'm okay, I'm doing fine. I'm a bit busy. 
Sometimes that's all you do. And sometimes when you tell people what God told you, that's the time now they begin fighting you. Because the enemy now has heard there's a word from the Lord. Isn't it what happened to Joseph? Hey, gather around, gather around. So I had a vision. And in this dream, actually, uh, we were all in the field. Then we were all we were heaping and gathering the sheaves. Then all your sheaves rose and came towards my sheaf. And they began bowing down. And they hated him. Why did he tell them? Did he have to tell them? But he was young. And that's what happens when people are young. They just do things. They do the right thing at the wrong time. And they attract wrong results. Again, the man has a dream. All their stars began to bow to his stars. Then he said, this, and does his father, his father liked him. <laughs> this boy is a powerful dreamer. Then he was like, Daddy, this time even the moon and the stars were bowing to me. Father looked at him and said, okay, this meeting is done. Can you all go to sleep? So Joseph, are you trying to say that even your mother and I will be bowing down to you? Even his own father began to fight him. Sometimes just keep quiet. Don't shout. The fact that you are succeeding does not mean everyone is happy with you. And especially the past one, last one week, I've noticed this. I've seen people succeed and people attack them over their success. Especially that you are a believer. The fact that you are successful and you say, thank you, God. They hate it. Because they think you did it with your own strength. So why are you trying to exalt God? And that spirit of the world is upset. He is nervous, he's agitated, he will do everything to discredit you. But the devil is a liar. And he always fails. Hallelujah. So look at this man of God. Hmm. He told the old prophet, I'm a prophet too. Now listen to this. The old prophet answered, Ah, I'm a prophet too. Just as you are, eh? And an angel gave me this command from the Lord. Bring him home with you so he can have something to eat and drink. But the old man was lying to him. The Bible says, so they went back and ate. Guess what happened? That same time, this, this old prophet was lying. He's the one who even received the word from the Lord. The same old prophet. Look at verse 20. Then while they were sitting at the table, a command from the Lord came to the old prophet. This man had not even been hearing God for a while because maybe he was a liar. Okay, he lied. But at this point, that's when he even heard the Lord for the first time. He even stood up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why should your disobedience be the beginning of other people's <laughs> exhortation? <laughs> Yeah, you think, and that's what happens. You know what happened to Saul? The moment he was falling, God was even saying, I found a boy, David, this side. We are replaceable, all of us. The earlier you understand that, the more obedient you become. That department you've been given, that job you've been given, it's an honor. Keep serving God. Do not become cocky. That job you've been given, keep serving God. That position of money you've been given, keep serving God. Because the moment you disobey, and you know how funny God is? God is the only boss who fires you but lets you keep your job. You'll find another person younger than you, more rich, and to do the same work that you failed to do. And what is the purpose of wealth if God is not involved in it? It's a waste. So see that? Hmm. Look at this. While they were sitting at the table, then while they were sitting at the table, 
they had not even eaten, meaning the guy was hungry. Oh, Lord. A command from the Lord came to the old prophet. He cried out to the man of God from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord and have disobeyed the command that the Lord gave you. You came back to this place and ate and drank. Oh, he ate. So maybe they were chilling after they had eaten and drank. Where he told you not to eat and drink. Because of this, your body will not be buried in the grave of your ancestors. <whistles> after the man of God had finished eating and drinking. <laughs> so he decided to eat and drink after all. Let me just eat and die. What a life. The old prophet saddled his own donkey for him. And the man of God started off again. But as he was traveling along, a lion came and killed him. His body lay there on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside him. The lion was not even interested in eating the donkey. The Bible says the people who passed by saw the body lying on the road and the lion standing beside. The lion was not even interested in other people. Strange lion. <laughs> and they went and reported it in Bethel where the old prophet lived. When the prophet heard the report, he said, it is a man of God who disobeyed the command of the Lord. The Lord has fulfilled his word by causing the lion to attack and kill him. Blessed be his holy name. I just added that one. <laughs> then the prophet said to his son, saddle a donkey for me. So they saddled a donkey. And he went out and found the body lying on the road. The donkey and the lion were still standing there beside it. For the lion had not eaten the body nor attacked the donkey. So the prophet laid the body of the man of God on the donkey and took it back to the town to mourn for him and bury him. <laughs> ah! Strange story. The same people advising you wrongly are the ones who even take over your position. <laughs> I'm telling you, when God has given you instructions, obey. There's always a price for disobeying God. In this day, there are many instructions that God has given us in dreams through the word of God we have received. Even in the Bible, there are certain things that God gives us as his instructions. Do not worry about anything. Sounds good, but it's an instruction. And in that instruction comes power to obey it. Jesus Christ says to his disciples, do not let your heart be troubled. If you are told, do not let your heart be troubled. Number one, that does not sound like a suggestion. That sounds like a command. Do not let your heart be troubled. If I tell Job, Job, when the police come outside and they are all armed, go outside and beat them. Don't even take a gun. <laughs> it means I know there's something that Job has. That otherwise I'm unreasonable. It means I know Job is equipped for that job. So when God says, do not let your heart be troubled, it means when situations come, we have power within ourselves to tell our hearts, come down. That's what David says. He says, oh my heart, why, why, why art thou cast down? He said, when he was cast down, he said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. He noticed his soul, his heart was downcast. He says, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Forget not his benefit, for he forgives your sins and provides all you need. See that? You can talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. 
You can speak to yourself. You can speak to your soul. To obey God. I want you to make up your mind now to be obedient to divine instruction. Because every time we disobey God, when he tells us not to do something, there are people because they've worried, they've been depressed, they've, they've had sicknesses, they've had heart issues. There was a cost. Says, so do not fret or be anxious about anything, but in all things, supremacy, application with thanksgiving. Says, are you going to add any day to your life by worrying? Matthew 6. Therefore, do not worry about anything, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I want you to make up your minds today to mature by being obedient to divine instruction. Type, I am obedient. Whoo, blessed be God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I think next week, if the Lord allows, we'll get into uh, an even more practical way of obedience to divine instruction. And I'll give you examples of how it worked in my life and how it did not work. <laughs> and other examples so that we do not just understand the concept. We'll now get into the practical end of it. So today we are, de- we are dealing with the topic, the cost of a missed instruction. Shall we pray? Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I decree and declare that that spirit which was on the Lord Jesus Christ, that caused him to be obedient even to the death on the cross, is also active in our hearts. To be able to obey the word of God, to follow the leading of the spirit, and to do exactly what is on the heart of God. We are obedient children. We are obedient in all things by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are obeying the word of God. We are obeying divine instruction. And we are enjoying the benefits thereof in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, if you are watching and you've not repented, you need to give your life to Christ. I'm going to give you this opportunity to do so. Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe, Jesus, you died for me. And that you are resurrected. I receive you into my heart. I receive your eternal life into my spirit. Thank you for writing me in the book of life. I'm a child of God now. I am born again. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've just prayed this prayer, you've just given your life to Christ, I want you to inbox us uh, with any numbers that you're going to find on the, on, on the on, on, on your screen. And also, you can, uh, you, you can, you can text us on, on Messenger that is on the same number who would like to hear from you. Now, um, um, those that uh, have to give their offerings, their tithes, their first fruits, their partnerships, their pledges, whatever kind of giving it is, uh, I think the numbers will also show. But let's remember to do it. And uh, th- and 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 this month I'm gonna be talking a lot because March Mar- May is a month of surrender, mm-hmm. and there's a reason why we are calling it surrender. It's a month of surrender. But I'll explain more so that I do not take much of your time in this um, in this broadcast. God bless you, and see you next week. <laughs>